What makes a good cup of coffee? Um, I am not a coffee expert, but um, nothing too bitter. All right, definitely hot. Uh, when it's not too hot. I'm used to drinking espresso. Just a classic, original, straight up Maxwell House coffee. Everyone has their own idea of what makes a good cup of coffee. But in coffee labs and warehouses across New York City, there are real expert coffee tasters called Q graders. Alex Smith from Partners Coffee just earned the coveted title in November. Q grader is basically a quality grader. Lamest terms, it's a sommelier of coffee. She's the pro, so I had to ask, what actually makes a good cup of coffee? It starts at the farms, it starts at the mills, where the coffee's being grown. What we taste is the last in that chain. It's an agricultural product, and I think a lot of people just think of it as a beverage. And they don't really think about where it comes from. Coffee doesn't come from someplace local. It's exported from countries along the equator, like Vietnam, Ethiopia, and Colombia. Places with the right temperature, elevation, and rainfall to produce the best-tasting coffee beans in the world. But those environments that once made the perfect bean are now in jeopardy. There are many different ways to either make or break the quality of a coffee. So things like soil health, exposure to sun, different weather patterns, harvesting practices. That's Ed Kaufman, director of sourcing for Joe's Coffee. Ed is a professional coffee taster. I met him in his underground lab near Union Square, where Ed roasts, slurps, sniffs, and scores coffee from all over. I hear my nose hairs in there. He's looking for what tastes good, but he's also trying to weed out what doesn't. And the good stuff won't last forever. People have their own prediction for how long the species of Arabica coffee will actually exist, and it's not that far in the future, 30 to 50 years, unless we make some major breakthroughs. Arabica is the world's preferred coffee bean, making up 70% of the coffee we drink. But it's really sensitive to environmental changes, so climate change is a major problem. Timing of rains is shifting, and the intensity of rains is shifting, as well as timing and intensity of dry spells. Beyond the plants being sensitive to the weather, it's really hard to be on a steep hill harvesting coffee if it's pouring rain, when historically they would have been doing that in the dry season. But the thrall of climate change goes beyond difficult weather. Rising temperatures and erratic rainfall create the ideal environment for some disastrous pests. Disease and climate go hand in hand. When there's warmer temperature and more humidity, fungus loves that type of environment. So as the conditions become more favorable for those types of diseases, then they wreak havoc on crops. Even higher altitudes, once too cold for disease and fungi, are now plagued by pests like coffee rust because the temperatures are rising. So I asked Christopher Hendon, a chemist and actual coffee scientist, if anything can be done. It turns out that coffee is a pretty delicate crop. And so minor differences in rainfall, annual rainfall, and minor differences in temperature actually affect the price of coffee and the yield of coffee tremendously. So breeders and plant geneticists are trying to make the plant itself more resilient. People like World Coffee Research that are actively developing new genetic varieties of coffee that are more uh, tolerant to common coffee-related uh, issues. New hybrids could be more resilient against disease, heat, and the volatile rainy season, effectively future-proofing coffee. But coffee has to do more than survive. It has to taste good. And it's the pros, like Ed and Alex, who will decide if these new beans make the cut. I want it to be awesome, but it seems like an unfortunate coincidence so far that these disease-resistant hybrids are not as delicious as some of the more vulnerable ones. Part of the challenge is that innovating and experimenting within the coffee industry is a long process. 
It takes a long time to find out whether breeders and growers have gotten it right. It takes a coffee tree three to five years to start producing fruit, so you get this new hot hybrid that's supposed to be resistant to everything. You plant it, and then like four years later, it's suddenly discovered fungus loves it. <laughs> it's like, well, you have to rip it all up and plant something else, and you suddenly you're eight years in. That's where a younger generation of coffee farmers who are willing to experiment, collaborate, and change becomes critical. The average coffee farmer is in their mid-50s, but there's a new generation of coffee farmers who are getting an education, networking, and then bringing all of those resources back to the family coffee farm. There are a few of these 25-year-olds who are just like, let's, let's hop on a call, let's do some experiments, and these more innovative young minds who've seen a world and kind of taking these new perspectives back and, and really innovating, trying to stay ahead of it. For Science Line, this is Donovan Coffee.